It might be 2023. It is 2023, but that still means it's Wednesday night. And you know what it means. It's Wrestling Inc.'s podcast after AEW Dynamite. I am Justin LeVar coming to you from Pittsburgh, PA, and North O, the border coming to you from Toronto, Ontario, Canada. He is longtime WWE referee, Mr. Jimmy Corderas. Jimmy, Happy New Year. Happy New Year, my friend. And uh, wow, what a way to start the new year up here in Canada. Rainy. <laughs> yes, rainy. Uh, rainy, but uh, on uh, for the weather report here, unseasonably warm. 65 was the high today. So Really? You guys got can't get high. Can't get snow with 65, so I'm okay. With it, it, yeah, I'm cool. You don't have to shovel water. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. the driveway, you know. So, so I'm I'm cool with the rain, but again, we up here it's weird. It's been fluctuating, so um, you know, I'm prepared for anything. <laughs> Got to be prepared. Uh, Issa originally scheduled to be with us. Don't know if she's going to make it. She is battling uh, the weather and allergies herself. But if uh, she does a run in, of course, we will uh, we will tag her in and and, and let her join. But uh, for now, it'll be J and J riding with you tonight. Uh, whether you're listening or watching live here on Wednesday night just after Dynamite uh, wrapped up here a few minutes ago, or if you are listening around the world, whenever, wherever, we appreciate it. And uh, we hope you're going to be with us here for an exciting 2023. As, uh, you know, we have, you know, we're coming, we had this first night of uh, Dynamite here in 2023. We're coming off of Wrestle Kingdom, which happened uh, overnight, or at least here stateside. You know, we got, um, you know, the 30th anniversary of Monday Night Raw coming up in a few weeks. Uh, you know, we have, we have a big AEW in LA next week. Then we have the Rumble. So much going on. Uh, and of course, WrestleMania and uh, so on and so forth. So we hope that you enjoy the wrestling podcast. Hit subscribe so that we don't miss it no matter what platform you choose to use. And uh, let's talk about what is uh, dominating, Jimmy, the news cycle. Uh, again, just speaking here from those of us in North America, it's been dominating since early Wednesday morning. Uh, when that's when the entire world got to watch live as the woman formerly known as Sasha Banks, now going as Mercedes Monet, uh, made her debut appearance at Wrestle Kingdom 17 at New Japan Pro Wrestling's Wrestle Kingdom 17, uh, came out and uh, laid out the champ. And uh, we know that she's going to have, uh, you know, she's the CEO. She's dubbing herself. We know that she's going to be in San Jose for NJPW's Battle in the Valley on February 18th. Uh, and then she went on in the post uh, in the post show press conference uh to talk about this is going to be um a world domination tour for her and that certainly again continues to fuel speculation of could she show up next week in aew dynamite now we will get specifically to that that match that segment we did get some advancement into that match we'll get to that later but let's just talk about mercedes monet uh jimmy your impression of the entrance the video package the music her look the, the physicality she did, the promo she cut, give it to me. No, I, I, it's all about the Monet, as they say. And you know what? Here she is reinventing her. It seems like she's reinventing herself and doing uh, a hell of a job. And she's done a good job of creating buzz for herself. And that's what it's about. It's getting the people interested in what you're doing and talking about possibly, you know, not only just the, uh, over in Japan, but also around the world and working for other promotions. We've seen... Other superstars, you know, cross promotions we've seen, especially in AEW, where, where you know, uh, certain champions are, are multiple champions of, of several titles. You know, FTR, the perfect example, holding t- title belts from three different promotions, which is, uh, you know, unfathomable these days. 
but uh, maybe there is some bridges to be crossed and, and and I like what she's doing and of course the rumors about her longtime personal friend uh, uh, Trinity possibly joining her there you know there's a lot of speculation a lot of buzz about it and that's what it's about creating a buzz and getting people interested in wanting to tune in and she's doing a heck of a job of that well and let me add one more uh, just random piece of wild speculation and rumor and if we're going to play geographical favors uh that match battle in the valley san jose california uh mercedes monet her one of her real life best friends who wrestles for another promotion Mm -hmm. uh is from the san jose california area so um just just put it out of there you know that you know i think what's exciting i i thought the presentation the name you know Mm -hmm. you you can bank on that you know there's a lot of she's obviously playing on what she can uh, that the fans know her as what's exciting is, you know, she ha- had a big long Twitter thank you list of tweets, which included triple H. Um, you know, there's a lot of speculation about, okay, like, you know, nobody quite knows exactly what, ha- how did things go down? Did, you know, did she get an early release? Did they have to wait till a contract naturally to end with WWE? You know, so she's thanking them there. She's showing up. We now at least know she shows up at Wrestle Kingdom there's speculation shows up AEW, but then again, you have the rumble c- coming around, so you start wondering, and, and then and then you tie in other things. Carl Anderson, the first time ever a contracted WWE talent wrestled at Wrestle Kingdom to drop the title to do business. So it makes yeah. you wonder: Are favors being done? Of okay, I give you this person, so we can do, th- so you can do this with them. Do I get to have a one-time only shocker, a forbidden door moment, if you will, at the yeah. Women's Rumble to have a Mercedes Monet? show up or that's what's kind of crazy is it's there's so much out there right now that that leaves for the possibilities and with the way that she did the thank yous on twitter it certainly seems like you know hey that that wouldn't that would not be far-fetched for 2023 no absolutely not and what she did on twitter with all those thank yous is she didn't she didn't slam any doors shut she left a lot of possibilities out there and it's got people talking and just like now we're speculating is it a possibility she shows up at the Rumble, uh, you know, because that door has been open. And you mentioned Carl Anderson. I was thinking about him, too, and didn't get it out there. Yeah, there's a lot going on right now. Things are seemingly changing a little bit. You mentioned Forbidden Door. There is seem to be a little bit of collaboration between promo- promotions. And maybe there could be an exchange of talent for for loan purposes and or working together we don't know what the future holds it the business could be changing in that direction and and if it is hopefully it's for a positive let's put it that way right i mean i think it's all the way of how you obviously it starts with triple h for the wb side of things Mm -hmm. now it's all the way of how you value it you know if, if you can say all right um you know for New Japan for wrestling, they're getting the value of obviously this new female talent, and they're going to get to they're, they're getting a lot of buzz. They've been trending for 24 hours almost now. Mm-hmm. They're going to have her for a big match in February, as we mentioned. You know, again, and however the Carl Anderson situation plays out, and then maybe it's you know Triple H saying, "Hey, I love. Can I get? Can I get for our? Can I get Royal Rumble trending for a while with the buzz of her? And then people are going to start googling her, and then they're going to find out, hey, they're they can see her next." Here, you know, here in the states, in in mm-hmm. San Jose, at at New Japan's show. So, you know, if you can get everybody uh, to the proverbial table and all feel like they're all getting a benefit, but still getting to help each other, um, right. that's that. You know, it goes back. It's it's a very territorial seventies uh, and eighties kind of mindset. Um, sure. Of we yeah. all have to help each. We all have to help each other so we can all thrive. Yeah, it's like they say, what's old is new again, because, uh, you know, this generation of wrestling fan wasn't familiar with back in the day when WWF had that relationship with New Japan Pro Wrestling and Antonio Inoki coming over and all that sort of stuff. So for a lot of them, this is all new. 
So who knows? Maybe going back to that, uh, uh, we shall see. You know, fingers crossed that if they do, they handle it in a professional manner. Absolutely. So uh, a lot to be excited for here just in the month of January. Uh, and it's only January 4th. So a lot to look at. <laughs> Uh, talk about it and look ahead to let's jump into aew dynamite again if you have a super chat make sure you uh you know attach that money with it and we will uh read it at the appropriate time of course that guarantees you uh to be the third man uh, on this podcast when the time comes uh dynamite coming from seattle washington let's just talk about seattle washington for a second <laughs> jimmy corderas whether you liked or disliked things you saw booking decisions whatever that set aside for a second Seattle washed and brought the energy so much um, in America with, 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 with crowds. There's so many East coast cities that get talked about because of tradition mm-hmm. uh, Midwest, obviously Chicago dominates that you don't get a lot of talk in the two uh, thousands about the Pacific Northwest, but Seattle was hot start to yes. finish. Absolutely. And, and it's amazing how much a hot crowd like that adds to a show, not take, a, you don't want them to take over the show, but at the same time, you want them to add to the show. And that's exactly what they did tonight. You look at Monday night, for example, on Raw, which I thought was a very good, you know, it was a good presentation, but the crowd seemed a little bit quiet and it didn't feel like it was a, like it was a big time presentation because the crowd was the, not that they weren't paying attention. They just weren't as you know vocal as you saw tonight's crowd. Tonight's crowd uh, helped make a an okay show feel like it was more important. Yeah, I mean, uh, Seattle's not a city that necessarily that uh, I feel like is as heavy on the loops uh, for WWE's travel, for AEW's mm-hmm. travel. So they certainly said, "Hey, we're gonna make the most of you guys coming to our city here." Mm-hmm. Um, just had to get a had to get a shout out to Seattle. Yeah, uh, they kick it off uh, hot, saying uh, some. Uh, some Chris Jericho mm-hmm. uh, as JAS come out Jericho coming out for his match against Ricky Starks again both men a lot of reaction loud Ricky Stark chance uh, Jericho not having to do much to keep the heat going to start out just some cheap uh, cheap eye pokes and things mm-hmm. like that ultimately we are going to see Ricky Starks gets the win with the spear so Jimmy Jericho now uh, a couple of losses here in a short uh, time frame to to young up-and-coming stars that i do not have an issue with my issue with this match which i thought was a good match up until a certain point the ref distraction which i didn't mind in this match leading to the bat shot to ricky stark's head which i thought was the you know traditional heel this the heels distract the referee and get the win in in uh cheating fashion so my issue is now even hitting someone in the head with a baseball bat does not put them out. Come on, man. You know, like <laughs> I, I, it's a little bit much. I could understand a poke maybe to the throat or something like that, but this was a shot to the head and you know, it looked like it knocked them out and they did the three hand raises this time, as opposed to the one, yeah. you know, and, and you know, make up my mind, please. Uh, that was the only issue I had with this. I don't have a problem with Jericho, you know, elevating younger talent but it's that 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 bat thing really bothered me because i get it and i'm going on a rant here if you if you if nobody knows you know the ref go ahead yeah you know i get you know lately we've been seeing people kicking out of everybody's finish and kicking out of big twisting burning 450 hammer phoenix splashes and all these crazy moves that people are kicking out now not even a baseball bat to the head is going to keep someone down and a roll we get a you know roll up finish kind of thing i don't know man not in this match or all up finish, but you know what I mean. Yeah, well, it's funny you mentioned the bat. So 
Uh, Starks gets the win immediately. More of JS comes uh, comes out. Danny Garcia, Jake Hager, um, uh, Sammy Guevara. Uh, the, the, the girls are out there, and uh, so the, the numbers game. And then here comes Action Andretti. I say, it's funny you mention about the bat. This time, Action Andretti comes loaded with a chair. Now, we laughed a few weeks ago when he came out to make the save, and he came out just his fists of fury and managed to lay everybody out. So at least he brought a chair this time. At least he brought a, a, a knife to the gunfight. Um, uh, but even still, the, the, the numbers game still too much. Uh, he, does, he does have the burnt eye selling the fireball, and ultimately, uh, Jake Hager would put um, Starks through a table from the apron. Uh, so, you know, JAS, you know, Jericho's been in the stable since AEW's inception. Mm-hmm. His stables have always been kind of opposition to trying to establish some some new guys in some respects. And, and that trend is continuing here with Ricky Starks uh, and Action Andretti. Yeah, absolutely. And and who knows, maybe a seed's being planted here where his uh, the Jericho Appreciation Society will not be appreciating Jericho so much if he continues to have these uh, L's. Uh, against up and coming talent and saying, Hey, why are we following this guy? He can't even beat uh, Action Andretti yeah. or, or Ricky Stark. So, who knows? Maybe that seed is being planted. And can you imagine, especially with the crowd being hot behind Jericho when his entrance is now with his music, if he were to turn babyface, it would be insane the, the pop he would get. Absolutely. And, you know, and I think commentary said it, and I think I saw some people here in the chat saying, um, you know, Jericho, two losses in a row. I mean, yeah, he lost to Action Andretti. He's lost to Ricky Starks. Uh, wouldn't actually be three in a row because didn't he lose to Claudio when he dropped the ROH title? Um, so well, if you count that. Again. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I know I know it's technically separate promotions in theory, but if we uh, were, <laughs> But three, three in a row for him, let's put yeah, it that way. Three, three in a row for him. Yes. Uh, but in Ricky Starks, again, very, very over um mm-hmm. uh, with the crowd so yeah. ricky starks really seems like he, he's a stock to uh maybe buy in on for 2023 mm-hmm. right uh we get a hangman adam page in ring segment he's not cleared but soon uh and when he is he is going to knock he's gonna knock john moxley's dick in the dirt that <laughs> proceeds them fighting words that proceeds to <laughs> cue john moxley's entrance from the crowd a mm-hmm. uh, little audio troubles uh to boot but finally once he gets that set aside uh he said he's t- nobody's took more crap and ate it like he has mm-hmm. um you know hangman's had two months since he was knocked out that lariat uh mox says you know what makes you think next time is not going to be any different except this time you won't get up so mm-hmm. john moxley uh hangman adam page did not touch there's a lot of tension um uh, is this did this resonate with you? Did the did the, did the tension uh, come across the screen uh, to you? It, it, I did feel the tension, but my only issue here is, and again, I don't want to sound like the old fart, old school guy going blah blah blah. But at the same time, who in this uh, rivalry slash feud is the babyface, and who is the heel? Who do I want to see win? You know, yes, I am cheering for Adam hangman page to overcome his medical issues and be able to get back in the ring and get back to you know the star that he was prior to his injury and at the same time moxley is hugely over as a baby face as well so you know as a fan who do i want to win this match i don't know as much as i'd like i want to see this match because i know they're going to put on a heck of a performance at the same time you know like i use that wheel reference you know it's always round you still need someone the fans want to see lose and someone that they want to see win. 
And it's and, not and clear. I, and sorry to, to, to cut you off, but it, to me, it's not clear in this one who that is. Well, it, it's, it's not clear in this one, but that's, that's, that's been a, um, that's been reoccurring. I think with a lot of Moxley's top uh, feuds, uh, you know, I mean, I, I think a lot of Mox, you know, going back even to CM Punk, I mean, it, you know, it wasn't like Punk was being booked as a, as a heel. Um, I think that's that's been something with Moxley is is is, is it does kind of leave you he the crowd still cheers from him they the, the there's nothing about the booking or anything that uh, is trying to sway you away from Moxley really you know he's still by all accounts operating as a good guy just a good guy with an edge uh, but you're right Hangman Adam Page certainly uh, definitely doesn't come off as a heel at all he's the sympathetic right. one obviously coming off of injury so. Um, you know, I don't mind babies versus babies every now and again, but I, but I, I do agree. I think that there, there needs to be some kind of a, it is a very blurred situation. So, um, it'll be really interesting to see once the match happens, you know, who works as the heel, who works as the baby face, or do they both try to, you know, that'll be something to watch for. Right. But, uh, certainly these two guys basically coming down to one microphone, having to slyly hand it off or rip it off of each other, which is mm-hmm. not always the easiest thing when you're trying to, when you're trying to restrain yourself from physicality to hand mics to each other. But right. obviously that's out of their control. I thought they made the most of this. I did like the tension. I thought commentary uh, put some nice narration to it all. But I do mm-hmm. agree. There is a, if you're a more casual fan, you are probably trying to figure out what am I, who, who is, am I supposed to be siding here with? Right, right. Uh, the next one here, there was no doubt about who the fans were going to yeah. side with and who were not going to side with. Mm-hmm. As we have Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett versus the acclaimed, of course, the acclaimed. AEW Tag Team Champions titles are on the line here. Mm-hmm. Uh, just for anybody who needs caught up and uh, here, this has been going on now for a few weeks. This rivalry, Max Caster, uh, the acclaim, put out uh, a music video and a rap a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. really taking some shots at Jeff Jarrett, uh, making reference to you stole Kurt Angle's wife, making reference mm-hmm. to being Carney and stealing people's money. Uh, and on social media, work or not, who knows? Jeff Jarrett has not t- spoke kindly to the words. Karen Jarrett got, uh, you know, again, spoke up and did not like what was said. So really kind of getting people to believe whether that's real or not, or shades of blurred gray, the energy was here. Max Castor mm-hmm. did not let up tonight as he comes yeah. out um, talking about uh, Karen needs to say less uh, and <laughs> comparing her to Skip Bayless, who's been under fire on, on social media this week. Uh, total nonstop action is total nonstop acclaim. Uh, it's TNA, a lot of references here, Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Just before we even get into the match, uh, this is who knows if it's real or not, but who cares? It, I, 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 I was hook, line, and sinker in watching this very closely, yeah. And that's because we are in on the uh, what, what they're rapping about. It's it, and the, that hardcore AEW fan base also gets all the references, so that's why it is resonating and working so well. And that's what these guys are like hugely over. It's true, it's tremendous. He's hitting all the right notes with this audience. Uh, again, uh, I hate to bring it back to the casual fans, but are, will people who are just tuning in, uh, will it resonate with them? You never know, but they may enjoy it. Uh, yeah, but uh, for me personally, I listening to them, I just, I, I just sit here in my, in my office watching it and pop. <laughs> every time. Yeah. And you know, there was, and, and again, what isn't, what is, you know, maybe it's you know, obviously it starts out as something and then everybody takes a little, takes it past the line just a little bit and this all in the all in the interest of entertainment and trying to get this reaction mm-hmm. you know it looked like jared took a little detour and gave a slap to max at one point when he was on the apron max looked a little stunned at that um mm-hmm. 
then later there was, you know, Max Caster doing an angle slam, a little mocking to Jeff Jarrett. Uh, at one point, Max, again, looked like he's doing a knife edge chop. Again, could be an accident. These things happen. Right. Catches Jarrett on the face. The next time Jarrett took a smack to Max, it looked a little bit like a receipt. It, it, exactly. There was some. There... That's the word. <laughs> that is the word. Yeah. The receipt. You know, nobody, got too, nobody got too upset because they knew that they were going to get theirs back here in a second. Exactly. Um, at one point, uh, Billy Gunn's in the ring with them. They do the old mm-hmm. Fargo strut to uh, scissor me scissor. together. Yeah. Uh, f- finally, though, Jay Lethal and company do uh, start provoking a Billy Gunn. Billy tries to get in the ring, get some retribution. The ref only sees that. He throws Billy Gunn out, so Billy Gunn's out. But then as we get down towards the finish here, the referee throws out Satnam Singh. Now, Singh, obviously, being the size that he is, it takes all the referees from the locker room to empty out, all of them out there to try to get the big man away. While that's happening, we are going to see uh, Jay Lethal, or excuse me, Jeff Jarrett hit the stroke. Jay Lethal then slides in because he's a legal man, mm-hmm. pins Anthony Bowens. Bowens gets his foot on the rope, but Sanjay Dutt pushes the foot off the rope. Rap doesn't see it. One, two, three. Seattle crowd is is uh, cannot believe it. They're they're insane with anger that Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal have just acquired AEW belts. But hang on, all those referees out there, Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Aubrey saw what happened. She explains what happened. Match gets restarted. And then real quickly, uh, a little uh, reversal on a roll-up, and the Acclaim mm-hmm. wins and retains their title. So as a referee, I got, of course, uh, let you dive into this because the referees were key to this finish. Yeah, uh, I, 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 at least they had it where the referees rushed out and were outside ringside to stooge it off so uh, Aubrey can stooge it off. If it was a situation where... Uh, you know, th- someone ran out from the back. One of the referees ran out from the back to Suja. Why doesn't it happen in any other match? You know what I Every mean? Every match, right. Exactly. So at least they got away with it with the fact that Aubrey was out there when they were trying to get Sunday and Singh back and all that sort of stuff. And, and it kind of worked in that regard. At the same time, here we go again with the dreaded roll-up finish. It almost, it, it's it's starting to bother me that we see the, the roll-up being the more common pin happening this is across the board not just aew this is across the board in wrestling it almost feels like the roll-up is the most dreaded move in professional wrestling right now well i do want to because i know some people uh check this podcast out uh before maybe seeing dynamite or or use us as a reference or what to check out so i do want to uh make sure i include this detail that i did in a second ago once the match gets restarted it looks like jay lethal is going to then uh get some position it looks like he's gonna uh do a pin on Bowens, but Lethal kicks his feet up on the middle rope to have that leverage. Again, going to mm-hmm. try to use the ropes without the ref seeing. Caster from the outside pushes Lethal's uh, feet off the ropes. Yes. Pushing that momentum, which allows Bowens to do that reverse roll-up. So mm-hmm. while your logic is, is certainly there, of, of the roll-up is, is, a, is, is very common these days on, on Dynamite. Uh, I, it, it, at least it kind of fit on the playoff of the ropes and, and, and that that angle so i felt well, like that's worth, uh, I, well, I do get i do get that but at the same time it just it just uh, again it just feels like it's happening far too often yeah, yeah for, um, to, for me anyways yeah. and so we're gonna have a we're gonna have another match with these guys i don't remember if it's this friday on rampage or if it's saturday's battle of the belts but they announced hmm. uh kind of like a no holds barred match that's gonna happen this weekend which you know that's hmm. fine i almost wonder I, I know max caster's in a tag team and he's part of the tag team champions but part of me wonders if, depending on when the numbers come out for the show, mm-hmm. uh, you know, this this match was put in a spot on the show, which is not always the most favorable spot. It's the second, right. you know, the well, 
I guess the Moxley thing was technically the second, but it, right. being being put in this position is not always not always the strongest position in in a, in a two hour show. Right. If the viewership does well, and if the social media trends continue, et cetera, et cetera, all those measurements, mm-hmm. if people do continue to buy into this Max Caster raps and Jeff Jarrett's reaction, and of course people were just again, it looked like they're going to riot that 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 Carney Jeff Jarrett came in and mm-hmm. and has got himself a title title already. I, I wonder if there's worth consideration uh, to to let this stretch out a little bit and do a Max Caster Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> singles match or or something just to continue um off of what's hot and what's trending yeah why not because it, it like you said it, it, it's blurring that line between is it a work is it real it's a little bit of both maybe you know along the lines so it should lead to that and as far as them having their rematch uh maybe a better situation would be to have it next week on dynamite where you got your biggest audience, you know, no, you know, not a shot at rampage or, or battle of the belts, but that is your biggest audience. And, and these guys are your most overact uh, arguably right now. So why not keep them hot on the hottest show? Yeah. Well, I, I agree with that logic. Next week's show is starting to pack up pretty, uh, mm-hmm. pretty full. It of course is at the forum, uh, the Kia forum in LA, a lot being, uh, a lot riding on the show, it would seem. Obviously, LA, huge market, big show. AEW's been promoting a lot of a lot of angles being promoted around it. It's, there's mm-hmm. um, word is you know Warner Brothers Discovery execs will be there, so this certainly is going to be uh, the, the the principal will be in town. The, the AEW is going to want to be on their best behavior and best mm-hmm. performance of of product. Uh, and one of the big angles is what we're talking about next here. We get a sit down interview, Tony Schiavone with Jamie Hader and Britt Baker talking about the upcoming tag match next mm-hmm. week uh, against. Uh, Soraya and her mystery partner and Britt talking about how you know Soraya doesn't get what AEW is talks about how her and Jamie Hayda they're homegrown this is their house so you know um, it's kind of dismissing Soraya and I guess we'll go ahead and jump ahead right now to Renee's sit down that she does later with Soraya with Tony Storm with the Karushita and uh, the takeaway here is you know asking Soraya who's your partner do you want to have you have any announcement to make Soraya touts the audience, uh, or excuse me, touts the roster, uh, touts the the women's matches, mm-hmm. and proceeds to put over the lady sitting next to her, but says that she's going to go with Tony Storm as her partner. Right. Hikaru Shida looked very visibly upset and offended. Yes. Jimmy Corderas, are you buying in that when the bell rings, Tony Storm is going to be Soraya's mm-hmm. partner? I have a feeling that prior to that match taking place, that uh, maybe the offended party... Uh, Sheeta will be taking out Tony Storm before the match and uh, offering her services or either that or saying, if you don't, uh, uh, you know, you I'm not joining you in this tag team match because you had the opportunity to choose me from the beginning and you didn't. You went with Tony Storm. Uh, I won't be your partner. And who knows? Maybe the person we talked about at the beginning of this show shows up and says, hey, you need a partner for this match. I'm here for you. Yeah. Yeah, you know, New Japan Pro Wrestling and AEW have had a, a, an open working relationship. Um, you know, so it, it does seem quite likely that uh, Mercedes Monet makes gets the world a buzzing uh, at Wrestle Kingdom and then, uh, you know, uh, a week later uh, can show up in L.A. Again, as I just said, AEW needs a big performance, wants to make a big impression. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I thought the same. Why have Sheeta, who's been the baby face of all baby faces? I mean, there's not been a heel right. bone in her presentation body what's the point of having making that point of having her look offended uh so mm-hmm. i agree i think that that's got to be that's got to play into to things here and maybe up. 
And maybe they need to thank us because we gave them, uh, we gave them that beautiful idea for for merchandise. It's all about the Monet. All that's about that's the a Monet. t-shirt. Yeah, it's all that's a t-shirt waiting to be made. All about the Monet. Uh, Dark Money Zone. I sent in a super chat earlier, um, saying Soraya Light. Uh, I'm not quite sure. I say save Mercedes for Cargo's first loss, though. So I, I got that part of the super chat saying save Mercedes mm-hmm. Monet for to be the one that beats. Jay Cargo. Well, look, if 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 Mercedes Monet is in fact AEW bound and she's going to be a regular, she is all elite and is going to have some kind of regularity with AEW and or New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, that certainly makes the women's division very interesting, and that certainly makes things like when does Jay Cargill lose and who is it to uh, mm-hmm. become a very interesting conversation. Right. But uh, mm-hmm. but make this time next Wednesday interesting to tune into this podcast, and we'll be reacting <laughs> to whomever. It might mm-hmm. be. Exactly. A lot of hometown connections uh, to this uh, Seattle, uh, Washington crowd tonight. But maybe, 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 at least up to this point, the biggest we'll get up to this point in the show, Brian Danielson from Aberdeen, Washington. He's going up against Tony Nese. The crowd is just going crazy for Brian Danielson. Huge mm-hmm. chance for him. Uh, Tony Nese does a nice job trying to get some heat and trying to take advantage of things, trying to show off his, uh, his uh, freak athleticism. But in mm-hmm. the end, uh, pretty academic it's going to be brian getting the win with an old regal stretch submission by the way yeah brian danielson uh big state homecoming jimmy i mean this this was one of this maybe the loudest i've heard an aw crowd for brian since his debut yeah, absolutely they were hot then and and they had a good match and they told a good story and it, it, are you surprised it's brian danielson and tony niece you know i kind of expected them to have this match but you know, it was what happened after the match, which got this crowd really ignited. And, you, you know, we, you talked about the crowd earlier. Uh, again, with this segment that we got after the match, you know, uh, I think the, the crowd really, really appreciated what they got. Yeah. No, I'll, let you, yeah big, I'll let you, you know. Yeah, and, get, and the big story is the post. Uh, Brian gets mm-hmm. on the mic and says, it's good to be home. But he wants another fight, and he calls out MJF. Mm-hmm. And MJF answers. Uh, MJF, of course, notorious for coming up with nicknames for his opponent of the time. And this one is Brain Damage Brian. Uh, that's the mm-hmm. nickname. Right. Uh, MJF says that he is the special attraction. He gets paid no matter what. He doesn't need to wrestle nonstop like Brian does. He says just because Brian looks like a goat doesn't make him the greatest of all time. Mm-hmm. MJF also says... He doesn't need praise from marks and people in their basements like Brian does. MJF gets the praise of being the top guy from people who have worked in the business and stepped in the ring. He says people put him over. People like Disco Inferno. People like Eric Bischoff. People like Jim Cornette. uh, All very popular names to the AEW uh, (laughs) crowd. And Tony Khan. He talks about how if Brian wants to have a world title match that brian needs to work and do what mjf doesn't need to do he needs to have a match every week on dynamite up until february 8th and mjf notes that he's done this before to his opponents uh, but he's got to do that in order to have a pay-per-view match on march 5th brian says he'll do it but if he accomplishes that he gets to pick the stipulation for their march 5th match at full mm-hmm. uh, at revolution and Brian says, if they have a world title match on March fifth, Jimmy, the stipulation will be a one-hour Iron Man match. So Daniel, or so, so Brian Danielson can prove that MJF can't wrestle. He's not just a special attraction. He's a guy who can't wrestle. He mm-hmm. can't go 
one hour in the ring, Brian will expose him. That you know, and and I was fine, but Daniel Bryan, uh, Brian, Daniel Bryan, Brian Danielson did a hell of a job in the promo department here. Obviously, you know, MJF, uh, there's not we know how he how good he is on the stick, but uh, Brian Danielson did a great job on the stick. My only, I, I love the fact that they're drawing this out and they're making it a long term story getting to that match at the pay per view, but at the same time, giving away the stipulation to this match this early is kind of like what they did with the 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 best of seven trios thing where they said well if we go to a seventh match the seventh match is going to be the uh table tlc match basically you're giving away the stipulation to her. you know what why not brian danielson go says uh you know if i get through all these opponents that you're putting in front of me when I win and I get that title match, I get to pick the stipulation. And then that's when JF King say, you know, hey, if you get through them, you pick the match. And I agree. And I agree. And and it's funny you mentioned the best of seven thing that we've talked about, obviously, uh, for the past, you know, over a month. I agree. It's kind of like, okay, you're, you're having you're having Brian do this. Mm-hmm. It's 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 high probability in the wrestling world. He's going to accomplish it, right? You know, unless he gets injured or something wacky happens. So it kind of gives you like at least a, uh, say the date. Oh, if he, if he wins through February, then we get to tune into that one to find out what the stipulation is finally going to be. You know, you know, if you're already kind of, if you're already planting the seed that if Brian does this, then on March 5th, he gets the, the world title shot. You're already accomplishing what you want to accomplish, which is getting people thinking about saving up to spend their money to, to watch that or to attend it live. Uh, if they want to, uh, I don't think you need to put this. I don't think the stipulation is going to, you know, make that much more of a difference this far out. I think you could just say it's going to be Brian and MJF more than likely tune in in February to find out what kind of match. So I, I do right. agree with that. Um, you know, that said, I understand again, the logic of setting it up of, 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 of putting out a storyline reason of why Brian has a match every week on dynamite. He's Brian Danielson. Mm-hmm. And you put him out on your biggest show. I will just draw the criticism and they did at least acknowledge it. MJF did. I will just bring out the criticism of the lack of originality of like, M- this is what MJF does for Jericho. He did it for Wardlow. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's, maybe, maybe they're just going to own it. And that's going to become the thing is that MJF is going to be known for the, 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 the sleazy bastard that makes his opponents wrestle 10 times before he does one. Mm-hmm. Maybe. And maybe so. Um, but that was the only thing I kind of sat here going is like, yeah, we have nothing that we have nothing different. Yeah, here we go again kind of thing, yeah. No, I understand that completely. I get it. But uh, again, I do like the fact that in, in MJF's case, he, he's kind of, you, you know, we're not seeing him in the ring every week. I like that fact. And, and, and it's, yeah. It, yeah, and, you know, he's not being overexposed in that regard, let's put it that way. And and he's being he's being a total prick about it. And, you know, he's getting heat for it. No, I agree with that. I haven't, I mean, you know, I think the way AEW's using him is, is fine. I mean, make him appear most weeks because you need to have him appear because he, you know, he is a draw. So have him appear even, you know, just a few seconds, a few minutes on the mic. Right. Is great use of him. But yeah, make seeing him wrestle and potentially get his ass kicked and lose that title. Make that a special attraction. And, mm-hmm. and quite frankly, um, obviously he and Tony Khan have agreed on that from a booking standpoint and, and maybe whatever they have in writing for how many matches he's uh, obligated right. to do. And I think that's a smart play because MGF always keeps leaning into this bidding war of 2024. Uh, and if, in fact, that is going to be a reality, 
one of the things that Tony Khan will have, and he still has in the wrestling world as leverage over any other talent is right now with how AEW does things, you can work a lighter schedule. Mm-hmm. You're not traveling and doing as much right now. AEW could always expand, but as it stands now, so it's like if, if MJF does come to where he starts to decide, am I staying here or do I go to New York? You know, WWE has has a more traditionally demanding schedule. You have to work to get to that Brock Lesnar, John Cena, Roman Reigns status where you can, uh, you know, have a select mm-hmm. in ring schedule. Um, so I, I think from a we're really deep diving here. But I think that's yeah. I, I don't I don't I don't for Tony Khan's purposes for MJF's purposes. I I think the way they're handling this absolutely I get it. I think it's a good move. No, no, I agree. I, get, I don't disagree with that. And and like you said, uh, when you talk about, I don't know if they'll ever get back to the days where, you know, 21 days on the road a month, you know, and, and you know, some of the off days of those 20, uh, those other days were actual travel days, as <laughs> you know, because people say, oh, you're on the road 21 days a month. Yeah, but a couple of those days yeah, you had to head out and head back. Right. Know, anyways, so so yeah, you got to take the schedule into consideration when you're thinking of uh, signing a new contract. You know, getting getting the most value for your, you know, work. Let's put it that way. You know, to that point, Jimmy, real quick before we resume uh, with the dynamite <laughs> program, let me ask you this: because y- you being a ref that was in there for you know you know all those days for all, all those years, mm-hmm. I, I think it's Aaron Anderson. I've heard Aaron Anderson say this uh, that he believes in ring rust. He believes. You know, back in Arn Anderson's prime, they were working seven days a week, twice on Sunday, right? They were working 28 days, uh, some months. Um, and he believes that it, it, the body builds up a callus and the motions and everything that when you, that, 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 that when the guys and girls, even in today, even by today's WWE standards where they work, you know, three matches a week, mm-hmm. um, he believes that that I- increases injury probability, uh, yeah. Do you believe in that? Do you think there's some truth to that? That that even even if you're banged up and you're popping some pain pills and doing whatever you ever have to do to make the next town uh, on the heavier 80s 80 you know 80s type schedule, mm-hmm. do you think there's something to that of of, of not letting your body get too rusty? Uh, I think there's something to it, but at the same time, it's not completely one or the other because you know what? The more obviously the more you work, the more you bump the your body does get calloused, and it gets it's all the repetitive motion. You know what I mean? And and you start to get uh, uh, a little bit more numb to all the, the flat backs and all that sort of stuff. It's these crazy bumps that they're taking now that I think is really scary and, and, and really dangerous. And that's not something you can do every day. I, because you know, you're, you're, you're really towing the line when you're, when you do these crazy bumps, when we saw a couple of them tonight that made me really cringe and say, Hey, you can't do that on a nightly basis. Yes, I get it's TV and you're doing it once a week and you may have a week to recover, but at the same time, you don't want to put your body at that kind of risk. This business is risky enough without, you know, increasing the uh, injury factor, the danger. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, that's, that's funny. That, that's kind of what I always took an account with Arn's comments is like, no disrespect to Arn and his generation. Mm-hmm. They were, they were working and, and props to them. that They did not have to do as much to get some reactions, but the style they worked was not as risque mm-hmm. as more matches of, of the style today. Um, in terms of what it takes to get the crowd to react. Um, part of that's just to blame on the evolution of the business because, as you always comment, the crowd mm-hmm. wants the burning 450 hammer and all this stuff, and when you mm-hmm. go through three tables, now you need to go through four tables. After you go through four, it needs to be four on fire, so the demand to the crowd is greater. 
Right. And, and, and to, to Arne's point, like you said, no disrespect, the, back then it was a, a more physical style in the interaction between the, the opponents. It was a little more snug. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Back into dynamite here. Another guy with a, a home state connection from Tacoma, Washington, Swerve Strickland with his uh, mogul affiliates uh, guys up against AR Fox. I want to make a few commentaries here. First off, this AR Fox, he is pretty impressive. He he does look like a video game cheat code. I don't get I try I get a little numb to everybody's all elite and everybody's coming in and everybody has a certain kind of crazy acrobatic style. But I do have to say, AR Fox, something about him, I do lift my head a little higher to watch when he's out there. He has made a pretty good impression on me. Just want to put that out there. Fair. Uh so Strickland AR Fox, and they're certainly showing off their 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 agility to each other at one point the first outside guy that gets involved is the guy they haven't given us a name yet we know parker boudreau we know that you know again hardcore fans know that he was in the nxt system he's now there he has a name they're going with that the other guy who's tattooed covered on the face purple ponytail they have not given a name and commentary is kind of poking fun almost at this as he gets involved a little bit you know, Taz is calling him Paint Man Jones. I think uh, <laughs> either Tony or, or Excalibur call him the tattooed henchman. And I couldn't help but think and also tweak this that I always get I get having a shroud of mystery around a, a new talent. Uh, you know, who is that guy? Who is that girl? Uh, it was it was key with China. Who is this? You know, coming. Up? I get the shroud of mystery. Mystery is OK, but when you're like referring to somebody as like a tattooed henchman considering that AEW's audience is a smarter audience that kind of can like see through when somebody's being positioned as somebody that matters or somebody that might just be a throwaway tattooed mm -hmm. henchman just doesn't seem like it, it it rolls off the main event tongue no it does not absolutely not and uh, again uh, as someone who likes that uh, when telling a story you're taking your time to tell this story and to 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 move on further you know, uh, again, there is a point here where you have to say, okay, let's give this guy at least a name, yeah. you know, so that we can go from there. And, you know, obviously commentary usually helps in that regard by, by, by putting these guys over. But when commentary is kind of poking fun at it, it kind of makes you, it doesn't make you go, wow, I wonder who that guy is. And it makes you more like, hey, you know, even commentary is, you know, kind of getting disinterested and just having fun with this. Yeah, you know, considering the, the this the the debut segment of these mogul affiliate guys with Swerve was um with Rick Ross was heavily sure. criticized by us by just in social in general. I think it, you know it, it kind of flopped in a lot of people's respects a few weeks ago. So you already have a little bit of work, a little mm -hmm. bit of ground to get uh, you need to gain back. Um, and considering that AEW again, one of the things is like how many guys they sign so quickly and how mm -hmm. packed these shows are. You know, your twenty pounds and the ten pound analogy mm -hmm. not give not even taking the moment to give this guy a name it kind of it, it does give off the perception of we haven't even got to that <laughs> yeah yeah we haven't even got around to go. deciding what we're going to call the guy yeah yeah that's not important right now we'll figure it out down the road you know yeah, that's yeah you're right this that is how it feels and it shouldn't be like that uh nonetheless the other bit of interference does come from parker boudreau uh fox and strickland are up on the top rope looks like uh, boudreau slips some kind of foreign object to strickland and that helps him regain uh, control of the situation. Control of the situation leads him to deliver a Death Valley driver mm -hmm. onto the apron, which mm -hmm. looks brutal. And, and then at that point, commentary is even saying, "Just pin him. You don't have to do anything else." Right. But Swerve goes up to the top rope, still hits a double stomp finish. 
um, and gets the win here. So Swerve getting the win as he should, uh, as establishing this new persona and uh, stable. Uh, what was your thoughts on the match and the style overall in the finish? No, I thought I thought the match was actually pretty good. It was entertaining. These guys worked hard, but like you said, after a devastating move like that, uh, it. I actually, in in a sense, don't have a problem him hitting his finish afterwards because it kind of, it, it, you know, this is how I end my matches. I don't care what I've done be prior to that, but the double stomp is what I do, and you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna eat it, you know that kind of yeah. thing. So I, so I was kind of okay with it, despite the fact that that Death Valley Driver on the apron was absolutely, oh my goodness, it, it made me cringe. Right. Yeah. No. I mean, psychology wise, it does make sense establish your finisher no matter what even mm-hmm. if it looks like they're dead and if especially if you're a heel insult right. danger hit the finisher mm-hmm. uh daniel price uh, says something interesting here daniel says somebody's gonna someone's gonna get paralyzed if aew doesn't chill out with all the apron bumps uh, uh daniel i can understand you saying that because I, I cringed when i saw that i will t- I, I, something that's um i don't think it's a secret aw's ring is actually a custom uh slightly modified ring to where the apron is a little bit wider than it is in Mm-hmm. any other ring in a, in a WWE ring or in pretty much anywhere else you'd go for your standard, you know, square ring. Um, so the apron, they, they, that's on purpose. They did have the apron to be a little bit more room to give a little bit more of a spot for the, uh, for the back bumps to hit, but that doesn't take away. It's still, it is a, it is not still, it's still a pretty narrow margin for error. Yeah. There's still no give. Uh, yeah. It's still pretty painful. Yeah. But I just thought that was interesting. And that's been since they debuted. That they purposely, when AEW started Dynamite, they wanted, they had the purpose of allow, giving that ability for guys to do more bumps on the apron by trying to do that. So, yeah, you know, saw that comment, a little interesting fact there. Mm-hmm. All right, we get the guns. Colton and Austin come out and uh, they come out to their music and they quickly want their music to mm-hmm. stop. And then all of a sudden, the hit the funeral music. We are going to have. A funeral for FTR. It's FTR, RIP. Mm-hmm. Uh, both of them delivering a little eulogy, talking about how in 10, the, the, the FTRs put together a legacy of 10 years, and in 10 minutes, the guns destroyed all that. Of course, referencing to beating them mm-hmm. uh, a few weeks back. Um, and then they they kind of fool us with the FTR music hitting. Uh, they get all scared. It was all just mm-hmm. a big troll uh, right. job to the audience. FTR is not there. Uh, FTR was at Wrestle Kingdom 17. They did lose and uh, mm-hmm. drop their titles there. Uh, uh, J- Jimmy and the eulogy, you know, they're obviously the guns are putting themselves over, mm-hmm. putting themselves over for stopping the almighty FTR. Um, even makes a comment about, you know, you start a podcast that nobody listens to Dax mm-hmm. Harwood has started a podcast, which, right. um, uh, you know, as all podcasts mm-hmm. do has not everybody agrees with some of the things he's saying. Mm-hmm. Take the temperature on this. What what was the segment about? Have we seen the last of FTR and AEW? Is 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 was this to help try to transfer some heat and some some credibility and momentum behind the guns, or are we buying time for some uh, for a, another match between the guns and FTR and AEW? What do you feel here? Well, I I kind of feel that there is going to be another match, and if they're going to if the if FTR is in fact moving on from AEW, they have to. I I think there needs to be at least another match with the guns. Uh, the guns were very entertaining tonight on, and, and they had that uh, old school attitude era feel about them with the, with their in-ring promo seg there with the, with the photos of FTR and all that stuff and, and trolling the audience with the FTR music and stuff like that. But 
I almost feel like there needs to be some kind of closure. If you, if if FTR moves on now without them coming back to AEW to close their their run there out in in that manner, then uh, I think uh, they're missing an opportunity. At least, anyways, the AEW is missing an opportunity. Sure, and and I think that uh, FTR one of them has said that the contracts run out in April, so. You know, the next next pay-per-view is in March, March 5th. So, I mean, yeah, in theory, there's certainly time if, if AEW wants to capitalize and get mm-hmm. uh, more matches out of them to, to set up the future. Yeah, uh, that could be done. So that'll be something certainly uh, to watch and keep mm-hmm. an eye on. We get Jay Cargill and Red Velvet up against uh, Kira Hogan and Sky Blue. In the Tom usual Kirk. spot for the women. <laughs> yes, in the, the trains never late. Yep. Um, uh, but you know, but actually, real quick to that point, I guess I'll, I'll queue up this comment, the super chat here. Terry Allen Jr. saying, "I hope the women gain higher focus and li- and, and he liked the show." He kind of dropped that comment in back when we were talking about the prospect mm-hmm. of uh, the woman formerly known as Sasha Banks joining right. the roster. So uh, again, yeah, you, we'll have to see. Does does a acquisition like that, you know, does that get the women put more prominently? Um, you would hope so. You would hope so because you know there's a there's a, a name talent who has actually made, like you said, uh, uh, making some waves right now and getting some some eyes on her. So it's one you could take advantage of, especially. In, uh, yes, I get that you're only two hours on a on a Wednesday night, and you got Rampage and the other stuff is mostly online stuff. But at the same time, uh, if you're going to feature your women, give them some prime real estate at times. You know, you tried it one week and you had the main event and everybody went, oh, you know, and took notice. Yeah. And then after that, you're back to back to the same old schedule. Yeah. yeah. So Jay Cargo and Red Velvet uh, on the team here. And then the commentators make a mention how, uh, you know, Jade has had some problems with the baddies. Obviously, mm-hmm. Kira Hogan at one point. Uh, and we're going to see Red Velvet. Red Velvet's going to uh, drop off the apron and back out and kind of leave Jade. Mm-hmm. Uh, to dry, Jade still, of course, is going to get the win. She moves to forty-seven and zero. Uh, but Jade Cargill, uh, you know, no longer insulated with mm-hmm. uh, henchwomen. Uh, she kind of right. is standing somewhat on her own um, uh, to, to an extent. Uh, forty-seven and zero. I mean, that, again, uh, what? Where we again? Where we? Where this goes? I don't know because there is a the, the roster is continuing to, to add depth with. You know, but Britt's been there, and then you add Soraya, you add Tony Storm again, maybe a Mercedes Monet. Certainly, a, a stellar lineup of potential opponents for Jade Cargo, who's getting a very consistent long term push. No, absolutely. But and whoever gets that first victory against Jade Cargill is going to be a big deal. The question is, do you bring someone in like a Mercedes Monet or somebody like that? And, and then if it's someone who comes from another organization who is the one who ends that streak, are the fans going to say, well, well, it should have been somebody homegrown. And you'd think there is an argument to be made that, uh, you know, is somebody really AEW homegrown, but you know what I mean by homegrown. It's not someone that they signed from the other big company to come in. So who benefits most from it and who gets elevated most from it is going to be the question. It's just uh, right now, uh it, it's it's a big question mark as who's gonna who can be that person to uh or that that woman to finally defeat jade gargill and 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 you know get that elevated status yeah you, know, you mentioned the homegrown and i'll, I'll use it as a tease i want to get back to that in just a second there's a very interesting status situation right now with aew and their homegrown talent which we'll get to after we get to this next match which is the main event seattle zone mm-hmm. darby allen 
skateboarding his way to the ring against TNT champion Samoa Joe. This one has the hot start outside. Joe grabs a hold of, I believe it was the son of the late trainer of Darby Allen, who's sitting ringside. So that makes it personal already. Darby and Joe go at it. Darby's taking the skateboard out, and they go to the staging area. Darby brings out an extra large ladder, jumps off of that, as he's known to do. Finally, we get into the ring. Bell rings. Uh, Back and forth, Joe looks like he has Darby down, looks like he has Darby in submission mode. But Darby uh, hulks it up, comes back to life, hits two coffin drops, and wins. Darby Allen is, uh, for the second time, your TNT champion. Jimmy, did you have this one down in your predictions? Uh, I had an idea that Darby would possibly win this match, but not in the manner he did. He got the living crap kicked out of him. That that uh, um, that slam he took on the stairs yeah. scared me. And he took some nasty, nasty bumps here. And there was a point there, like you said, where Joe had him and he looked like he was out and, and he was literally hulking up. You know, and uh, I think it's okay in a situation like this. You know, the guy last week that, that, that what happened to Wardlow? Why couldn't a Wardlow be a guy to help cost Joe the title? Yes, I get it. Darby Allen's the baby face and, and blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, here's a guy like Wardlow who couldn't get the job done against Simone Joe. And here's a guy uh, literally half his size looking like he's a world beater. You know what I mean? And, and, and it's not the fact that, uh, you know, it's not the size issue that that's the main thing. It's the believability factor. You know, you want, I, I get it. There's supposed to be a suspension of disbelief when watching this on television, but at the same time, you, we talked about realism earlier with uh, the Jared and the, and the acclaimed stuff and all like that. Uh, let's at least try to put some realism into this. Let Sting was there. Why couldn't Sting be the one to help cost uh, Joe the title? Something, anything. It just, to me, it, it it makes now, if you think about what happened with Wardlow in the past, it, it does more damage to Wardlow thinking he couldn't beat Joe, but the guy, the, 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 the little guy with the skateboard could. You know, that, that's yeah. me. Yeah. I, I said it two weeks ago on our last show when, when you know, Wardlow got another chance to mm-hmm. get retribution on Joe and, and they, made, they, they, they made him lose the way they did. And, um, mm-hmm. That kind of stuff is usually done on purpose. That kind of stuff usually is done for we we think or know we will have we will be using or will be able to be using Wardlow or not. I, I don't know that. We'll let time play that one out. But um, right, uh, Darby's a champion. You know, it's interesting. AEW really felt like they started getting away from what made them cool to start out. You know, they, 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 you know, fortune fell in their favor um, through 2020 and 2021 that WWE released so many talents and AEW acquired so many. And, you know, we we had Punk and we had Moxley and then Brian and, and, and Adam Cole and, 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 and and the the list goes on, you know, Ruby Soho and whatever. And it kind of, if you look at where we stand tonight after January 4th, Episode of Dynamite to kick off 2023, and they got a big one coming up next week. Take a look at the AEW situation, Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Their world champion, MGF. Mm-hmm. Their TNT champion, Darby. Their tag team champions, the acclaimed. Their women's uh, champion, Jamie Hayter. Their their TBS champion, Jade Cargill. Mm-hmm. All their 
homegrown stars. Right. No Moxley, no Punk, not even Brian. Mm-hmm. Uh, as it's you know, not a not a Tony Storm or Ruby Soho or even a Soraya. <clears throat> it, it is a really interesting situation that it feels like AEW is kind of getting back to some some roots. I know they're only mm-hmm. a couple years old, but it, that's it's that's what it feels like. They are kind of getting back to investing in who they have and who they've built up. Um. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just I, I, something interesting. I was writing down as we were wrapping up Dynamite tonight. No, I, I, and I'm fine with that. That's not the issue. The issue is how it's done. Do you know what I mean? It just it just at least at least give me a sense where I could buy into what's going on. And I and I know I've been I've been challenged before with other talents that are not as big. You know, you know. Everybody says Wardlow is that tailor made guy for WWE. There's a guy that can go to WWE and become a star. Because he fits into that mold. But, and and there are smaller guys. Look, Rey Mysterio is the perfect example of smaller guys that can get over huge. Eddie Guerrero, guys like that, the late great Eddie Guerrero. It's not the size, it is the believability factor. And and in the way he won tonight, I just didn't buy it after the beating he took. And that's the issue I had with it. And as far as the homegrown talent, I like the idea of the the quote-unquote homegrown talent being the champions, but uh, you know, do it in a way that for me draws me in as opposed to make me go, oh, come on. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh that, that that's where we're at, you know. And again, going back to homegrown, you, you could add Wardlow remain as your TNT champion, but um, mm-hmm. you know, where where that ship is going, we shall see. Stay tuned, right. folks. Um, but yeah, so uh, certainly stage is set for the forum next week in LA. A lot will be, uh, you know, going into that one. I'm sure a lot's going to be coming out of it. So that's going to make for an exciting podcast next Wednesday. So make sure you hit subscribe on YouTube or Apple, Spotify or Apple, iTunes, Spotify, uh, wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you don't miss next Wednesday with uh, Jimmy, myself, and hopefully Issa. Uh, And then, of course, again, on Monday nights, Triple J, myself, Jimmy, and Jack getting back together next Monday as we got Raw. It's coming close to this 30-year anniversary of Raw. Coming close to Royal Rumble, a lot of stuff to talk about. Um, just a exciting time right now to be a pro wrestling fan mm-hmm. and to be talking about it. And uh, we're, we're here for you seven days a week on Wrestling Inc. Uh, Jimmy, any final thoughts, final plugs about what went down tonight on Dynamite or anything else in the wrestling world that maybe we didn't touch on? No, I just, uh, uh, it, there's some good stuff that goes on. It's just, uh, it, you know, uh, it's talked about all the time. It's uh, the little things. The, the, the screws that need to be tightening tightened with with AEW. The problem is there's too many screws that need to be tightened. Just when you think they're heading in the right direction, that you know something like uh, again the finish to the to the, to the main event doesn't it just didn't sit well with me. There, uh, I'm watching a good match and then something happens at the end of the match it doesn't sit well with me or something you know. Uh, for example, at the end of the Jericho match, all the aftermath it almost feels like. Uh, Almost every match has to have a little bit of aftermath, if you know right. what I mean. But and and as far as the wrestling world goes, uh, I'm really, I'm really enjoying the bloodline stuff right now. It's just resonating big time with me. But if there's something that isn't resonating with me, I mentioned it today in my ref and rant, which you can catch every day on my all my social media platforms from Monday to Friday. Uh, Dexter Loomis right now is not resonating. There's something about that character. And I know people go, well, if you go back to what he did in, in NXT and stuff like that. But the, the problem is, and then NXT had half the audience that Raw has. Mm-hmm. 
So, so a lot of your audience hadn't seen that that persona. Will it work with them? Who knows? But right now, there's something not clicking with Dexter Loomis. I'm sure we'll talk more about Dexter next Monday mm-hmm. for Raw. Uh, big shout out to Ricky saying thank you, Jimmy or Justin and Jimmy. Thank you, thank you uh, Dark thank Money you. Uh, Zone. Great podcast tonight. Thank you for this. No problem. Thanks thank for thank you yes. tuning in live. We appreciate oh. all of you, no matter uh, where you might be. Um, also, uh, in Armando. Armando, I did not mention uh, Orange Cassidy as a champ. Yes, uh, as the All Atlantic champ, uh, Orange Cassidy is that right. title uh, as well. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and also wanted to mention because you mentioned her, Isa. Hope you're feeling better. Miss you. Absolutely. I, I hope she feels better, but I can only have so much sympathy when she's in the warm Puerto Rican weather and we're we're good point. through wet wet winter. Good point. Good point. She's got her vitamin C to get her better. There you go. Um, all right, everybody. Again, appreciate all the uh, nice comments. Again, if you're uh, checking this podcast out, whatever, please tweet at Justin Labar at Jimmy Corderas. Let us know where in the world you are in the world checking this out. What are you doing? Are you on the commute to work? Are you in the office? Are you uh, ignoring the teacher? Are you procrastinating chores at home? What is it? We'd love to know uh, how we're uh, moving along mm-hmm. in your day. Uh, much appreciated all the support. Thank you, Jimmy. Going to see you again on Monday. Got a lot yeah, of stuff to talk about coming up here. Wrestling Inc. seven days a week. Check out Wrestling Inc. Make sure it's bookmarked. Make sure you have the notifications pushed into your device. Constant news being updated. You don't want to miss out on it. Until Monday, we'll see you all. Good night. Be safe. Take care. Take care. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.